Welcome to the BMJ Wellbeing Podcast, sponsored by Medical Protection. I'm Kat Chatfield, a trained GP with an interest in wellbeing. The issue of food on night shifts is a perennial grumble in the NHS. Although it's a long time since I was a junior doctor pounding the hospital pavements, I do remember one particularly horrible night where I trekked miles and miles to a vending machine in a creepy basement, only to find my chagrin that it was completely out of food uh, and that I was not able to get anything until the next morning. It sounds trivial, but actually the lack of provision for looking after staff is much more profound. What does it say of an organisation if they demand that their staff work when they're hungry? And what is the onward implication for that on patient care? To discuss all of these issues, I'm joined by two women who are campaigning to change the provision of food in the NHS. Please could I get you to introduce yourselves? I'm Neely Mozawala. I work as a specialist diabetes podiatrist. I am also founder of Baking Medex, which is a well-being and baking national group. And I am also founder of No Hungry NHS Staff, which is a, a campaign ensuring 24-hour hot and affordable and nutritious food for NHS staff nationally. Great, thank you. My name's Dr. Saleh Mahmood Ahmed. I am an SD6 in gastroenterology in Northwest London. Um, I love food. I won MasterChef in 2017. I'm a cookery author. I've written two books and I'm currently writing the third. And together with Neely, who founded the campaign, we are both leading the NHS No Hungry Staff campaign. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming today. So tell me a bit about the problem. What what is the issue with food for for staff in the NHS? So I'm quite active on um, Twitter because of my baking group. And what I found was um, people saying that they're doing night shifts and there's no food around. All they have is vending machines, but the vending machines are poorly stocked and they're usually full of junk food. And they are doing these 12 hour, 13 hour, really, you know, tiring, um, mentally and physically tiring shifts. And they're doing it whilst hungry. I think for me, it's so much about culture in hospitals and um, welfare of staff is really important. I often say that if, that if, if someone came to my house, so I often say that if someone came to my house, I would feed them. Neely and I have cake at all of our meetings. Um, and it is just intrinsic in me to show that I care for people around me by cooking for them and feeding them. For me, that's a natural human instinct. Now, in the NHS, we ask a lot of people to do a lot of work. Yes, they are paid for it. Yes, that it's their job. But it is physically, mentally exhausting work. And there is not a culture of feeding staff Um, overnight at least and it is a real grind and sometimes it's quite nice to be able to be in a position where you feel cared for because someone has cooked a nice hot meal for you that you then eat that gives you sustenance um, the joy that food brings you know so many of the psychological aspects of eating and what they do for your resilience that is really really important so for me it's about culture change and making food more prominent in the NHS And so how widespread is this problem? I mean, is this just a few trusts that aren't offering food to staff or how, what does it look like in terms of the numbers? Neely, I think you've got the figures. Yeah, it is a national problem. It's, it's a huge issue. So with just me doing my own data collection, seven trusts 
in the entire country provide 24-7 canteens and 26 trusts provide alternative 24-7 methods. So that could be hot vending machine, um, 24-7 Costa, 24-7 Subway or a 24-7 cafe. And the Institute of Health and Social Care Management did a survey for us kindly and they found only 28% of trusts provide hot food. And you've spoken there about providing hot food as well in the alternatives, but you know, you mentioned Costa and, and Subway. I mean, what do we know about the kind of food and the quality of the food that that people are being provided? Yeah, I think it's very, very difficult to really quantify exactly what the various trusts are producing, what the uptake of that food actually is, and whether people are enjoying it, um, and indeed whether it's nutritious or not. And coming from a gastroenterology background, actually, for me, nutrition is a really vital aspect of the food that we give our staff who are doing long-term night shift pattern work. Um, It's really a patchwork quilt out there. Um, And, you know, things vary across trusts. And it's actually at this point in time, very, very difficult to quantify. um, Because trusts do keep a lot of the data quite guarded as well. So it's really a matter of like sort of drawing blood out of a stone to get that information. Um, You know, we do, we have identified some trusts that are working very closely with us um, who understand that it's a problem, understand that the health and well-being um, of their staff is of critical importance and want to provide hot, nutritious food overnight and are dedicated to it. So it can be done. And one of the things that we really noticed through the pandemic was that all of a sudden, overnight, mid-pandemic, things changed. There was availability of hot food overnight. And really, it was that sustenance in the middle of the night that kept people going on new altered rotors where they were basically working far more than they had ever done before, doing shifts that were psychologically and physically far more taxing than they ever had done. So if for that short time period things did change and now they've reverted to how they were before, we have to acknowledge that in whatever way it was done before, it is possible. So Neely and I don't accept the argument that it's not possible and we don't accept the the argument that it's not beneficial either um, because we know that it made a difference during the pandemic period. Um, So for us, you know, getting it right from a nutrition perspective, knowing that it can be done um, and trying to push for it to be done is really important. So we can see that's a systemic issue throughout the whole country. We'll get on to how it's affecting individuals in a moment, but first a message from our sponsors. At Medical Protection, we know how challenging recent times have been for all medical practitioners. And as they work tirelessly to look after others, We wanted to help our members focus on their own physical, mental and emotional well-being. So we've partnered with ICAS International to provide a confidential one-to-one counselling service, offering support for issues such as stress, burnout, anxiety and conflict. Members can also access a wellness app to help monitor, measure and promote balanced healthy living, as well as a host of handy podcasts and webinars. Our wellbeing program is just one of many reasons for doctors to choose medical protection. To find out more about membership, which also includes comprehensive protection, advice and risk prevention support, visit medicalprotection.org. You've reached out to a lot of staff who've experienced this lack of food um, on, on shifts, both day and night. 
Um, how do people tell you that it's impacted their ability to do their job or how they feel about their jobs? So uh, we feel that um, uh, quite a lot of people reached out to me because they now feel like they have an they have someone to go to with this problem, which is amazing. So I've had people reach out to me saying that they really struggle with working whilst hungry. And, you know, you hear harrowing stories of how someone's been so hungry, they've just grabbed a Weetabix, that's all they could find, and they've, um, you know, diluted it in squash to eat it. You know, and you hear stories about how someone had a Twix bar to keep them going for 12 hours. I mean how is this acceptable like as a trust how can you allow your employees to carry on in this way it just it's just shocking to me I can't I can't you know work it out I've done many night shifts and I I I remember many night shifts where there's not been access to food but a particular one I remember is where I had two children with tonsillitis all day um, to look after my husband was working long days I then had to go onto a night shift of course I didn't have time to be able to pack lunch boxes and in my lack of ability to do multiple things at once as a normal human being um, I was unable to take any food with me for the night and um, it was an extremely busy night it started with two members of staff down um, we were handed over lots of patients and um, I started working around half past eight and it was half past three that I realised that I actually felt very faint. And the reason why I felt faint was because I hadn't actually eaten anything since maybe four or five o'clock the evening before. I'd been on my feet running around the whole time. I'd attended multiple emergencies, spoken to lots of family members, uh, attended cardiac arrest, called led cardiac arrest teams, made quite important decisions about people's lives in the middle of the night, managed medications, drug chart, etc. And now I felt like I had to stand with my back against a wall because I would collapse otherwise. So I thought, why didn't I go to the vending machine find some some crisps and chocolate we'll have to do and unfortunately someone had smashed the um the machine and it was out of order and not working um and then I went to um try and see if I could find any other food um in the staff kitchen and the tea had finished and there was no sugar I went to the mess to see if we had any bread or cereal and the bread was out of date and the milk had gone off a week ago and the fridge stunk Um, So I literally had no food and I was feeling really, really faint. And the only way I got through is um, a a colleague of mine, in fact, one of my juniors was like, do you want to share my salad with me? (laughs) So I actually had no choice but to say, yeah, I really do want to share your salad with me. And it was lovely. It was a tofu and quinoa salad. And, um, you know, it just gave me that little energy boost. And one of the nurses brought on some coffee. I even remember that day going into the ward and thinking there was a box of roses there at the beginning of the light. Maybe I can just go grab a few. And the ba- the whole box was gone. Even the nasty flavours were finished. Um So, you know, the point is this, this is not an isolated incident. I had a friend the other day who left their lunchbox at home and thankfully I bought bought some fruit and ice buns um, to treat everybody that night. So she got through because we had that. And, And there are some people who have messaged on social media in response to some of the work that Neely and I have been doing saying, oh, stop it, get off your high horse. You know, do you not have enough organization to be able to prepare a meal for yourself? You won MasterChef, you should be able to batch cook for yourself. That is completely 
not related to the point here. Everybody is able to cook. We're not saying that everybody suddenly needs to start not bringing their own home food in. What we're saying is people need the choice. And actually, when you're dealing with someone else's life, if I'm the doctor in front of you making important decisions at three in the morning, you would not want that person to not have eaten for the last eight hours. You would want them to be alert, crisp, on edge, being able to basically make decisions at the tip of their fingers in your best interest. You don't want them to be half collapsing in a heap or standing against a wall needing to eat a tofu salad. Um, you know, that is, that's not how doctors should be. That's not how any night staff would be. And I'd just take that opportunity to say, we are campaigning for all NHS staff. This is not a campaign for doctors. It's for nurses, for doctors, for any buddy who does night shifts at hospital in night people who work as porters people who work um in facilities absolutely everyone this is for everyone absolutely yeah healthcare's 24 7 isn't it and that's just across all staff groups yeah thank you uh, and you you brought something up that i think is really important there um about patient safety i mean we know that mm -hmm. you know tired staff are more likely to make errors you know and we know that staff who haven't eaten or drunk anything are more likely to make errors so um you know what what kind of response have you had when you said you know this lack of provision is is putting patients at risk not just staff first of all what i would say is when you say that people instantly understand it yeah, they know what you're talking about when you say, yes, it's putting people at risk. However, what we don't have is proof of it. And so much of um, the work we do as scientists is all governed by proof. So, yes, we have lots of recommendations being made. For example, the BMA um, facilities charter, fatigue and facilities charter, other reviews that have been done into hospital food. There's lots of recommendations that 24-7 NHS food is important. But a lot of them focus on perception of fatigue and, and having um, availability of food to go that one level beyond and draw the um, link between lack of food availability specifically and working on a night shift and your ability to make decisions the fact that we can make mistakes when we're hungry, that's one further step. And I don't think anybody has ever really quantified that. And I think it would be extremely difficult to quantify. We've been working with some researchers to try and see whether we can produce some qualitative data. Um, but again, that's really, really difficult to do in a short time span. And we are working in timeframes here. Neely will tell you a bit more about the timeframes that we're working to and what our intentions are for the campaign in the next few months um but yeah i think you know everybody knows it's true and my argument would be that yes we can think with our science hat on but also we have to think with our humanity hat on and our experience as a human being and personal experience goes a long way sometimes i think the resistance that we get from management staff in particular i almost wish i could say to them in fact we have said to them you know why don't you join us on a night shift one day and i i, I really encourage you to do not just one i encourage you to sit with us do four night shifts in a row monday to thursday Thursday, you know, see how your body feels on that fifth night and do them without food at night. And then you will know exactly what we're talking about. I mean, you don't even need to do a night shift to understand, do you? I mean, I don't even do night shifts and I, I completely understand. I mean, using all my free time on this to because I come from a, like Salia said, a culture, you know, I come from an African Indian background where food is everything, you know, you 
if you're ever hungry my mum will be like oh my god it's the end of the world you have to eat like <laughs> so you know it's 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 all about having that common sense and that conscience of realizing that actually people are going hungry and it's not not acceptable at all at all so they have no excuse in my opinion sorry I'm being really harsh but no excuse at all so no, yes, um... it, it's <laughs> totally fine to be harsh and, and I think what you just said Neely it's really like you know the culture of feeding people it's about showing people that you care for them isn't it yeah and I think you know NHS staff have been through an incredible amount for a long time you know we all know the problems that they're in in the NHS before the pandemic then they've gone through this incredibly traumatic experience and, and I think you know what kind of message is it sending out to staff you know that says you know it's basically saying we don't care about you we don't care about you enough to provide you with the most basic requirements that human beings need to function exactly yeah and that's what I mean by we want to make sure that food is 24 7 but it's not a tick box exercise either for trust I don't want them to be like okay here's a here's a rubbish vending machine that's hot and it's going to give you like horrible I don't know two out of ten bag bowl you know um this isn't a tick box exercise at all it's about making sure it's 24 seven, but it has to taste good. If it's not good enough for you to eat it in a board meeting, then don't put it out there. Um, you know, and I can't, I can't tell, you know, emphasize enough how important it is to have, to make sure the food is good quality because I have people messaging me and they're like, Oh, we've got a, we've got a hot vending machine, but we don't use it because it's really rubbish food. It's worse than, um, you know, I wouldn't even feed it to my kids. So it's like, what's the point of even having it there? Is it just for show to people to be like, Oh yeah, we do care about you. I've been, I've been working in hospitals where, you know, at two o'clock the canteen closes and I'm still treating patients and I've had emergencies and I have to have a toasty from Costa, which costs about four pounds. And to me, that's, a lot of you know that's a lot of money for a toasty and you know again it has to be affordable um this campaign is not just looking at 24 7 food it's looking at food affordability as well so we're looking at food poverty food poverty is rife in the nhs i'm having people messaging me who are in food poverty and they're working at lower bandings they're hard-working nurses for example and other professions and they're skipping meals i've had someone say they're just eating biscuits all day and we have to put trusts on to account for this. The NHS that's providing low pay, you know, low banding stuffs. We need to eradicate food poverty. So we're on a mission to do that as well. So tell me about what listeners can do to support the campaign uh, No Hungry Stuff. Um, so for us, a lot of our campaign is run on social media. Um, we're trying to tweet prolifically about the issue and raise awareness. But the second thing that we're doing is trying to get people interested by signing our early day motion, um, which is essentially trying to make this subject um more um well we're trying to make it so that people um in parliament have a recognition that this is an issue and therefore take it forward and neely will tell you all about the response that we've gotten so far to the early day motion we're also trying to um have a change.org petition and Neely will tell you more about those two things once I've gone. What I would say is that for us, the vision really is that rather than NHS food being a 24 seven being a recommendation, we want this to be something that is mandatory. And we want this to be part of the health, health and social care bill that gets passed in early summer, late spring. 
So we want to see 24-7 mandatory and legislated. We don't want to see a recommendation because it already is a recommendation and it hasn't happened and it will continue to not be a priority. So Neely, do you want to talk more about how listeners can get involved in potentially yeah. something around research? Yeah, so um, like Salia said, um, the EDM is really important. So if everyone can urge the MP. Luckily, DA UK have been supporting us. So they have actually a software where all you need to do is put your name in and your postcode and it already pre-populates a letter for you. So it's really quick. It only takes like um, 30 seconds to do. Um, so at the moment, we've had about 627 letters that have gone out to MPs and we've had 21 signatures. All um, MPs who have signed it are from major political parties, which is great news, really. So it's just showing support from all parties, really, rather than one. Um, I also have support from Jeremy Hunt, which is um, quite nice. He's verbally given our support, which is great. Um so I think at the moment, as this has not been done before, we are having a bit of difficulty getting some research in for this topic. So we are you know, working on quantitative research and qualitative research, um, but we need we need um, more people getting on board with research on 24-7, how it's affecting patient outcomes, how it's affecting staff, like specifically and um, you know, health outcomes. And we would really, if you would like to help with research in any way, please do get in touch with me on Twitter or, or Instagram or email me on nohungrynhsstaff at gmail.com. I would really um, appreciate that. Keep a close eye on this campaign because we're working at 100 miles per hour. So every day is really different. Well, thank you so much, Nini, for coming to talk to us today. Thank you for having me and thank you so much for shining a light on this campaign and I really appreciate everything that you've done for us. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We could talk about 24 NHS food all day. Thanks again to Neely and Salia. The links we've mentioned are in the show notes so you can follow them on social media and please do get involved in their campaign. That's it for this podcast. We'll be back soon with a discussion about creativity and how it helped one NHS worker get past the bullying she received on the job. Subscribe to us on wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can follow us on our Facebook group, BMJ Wellbeing. I'm Kat Chatfield. Thanks for listening.